0: Chapter Twenty-Eight of the Fall River Tragedy by Edwin H. Porter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty-Eight, Tenth Day of the Trial. City Marshal Rufus B. Hilliard was the witness called. He testified, as had the other officers, about his search at the house. He said, "On Saturday evening following the killing, I went to the house in company with Dr. Cufflin." There was a large crowd of people present, perhaps two or three hundred people. I sent for officers and had the crowd removed to the street. Then I went into the house where I saw the prisoner, her sister, and Mr Morse. There was a conversation between Dr Coughlin and the others. After we entered the parlour, Dr Coughlin asked that the family remain in the house for a few days, that there was much excitement, and he thought it would be better they should remain there and not go on the street. I think he told them if they were annoyed by the people to send word to the city marshal or himself and they should be protected. Mr. Morse asked about the mail and he was told they had better send for it. Then Miss Lizzie asked, What, is there anybody in this house suspected? The mayor said, Perhaps Mr. Morse could answer that from what occurred last night. Lizzie then said, I want to know the truth. And the mayor said he was sorry to say it but that she was suspected then emma spoke up and said we have tried to keep it from you as long as we could then the mayor asked lizzie where she was when the affair happened and she said, in the barn for twenty minutes looking for lead sinkers lizzie said after emma spoke well i am ready to go any time the witness was cross-examined at great length and told of all his connections with the case dr john w coughlin mayor of fall river said that on saturday evening following the borden murder he went to the house with the marshal there was a large crowd present and he instructed the marshal to disperse the crowd it was done in the house the first person he saw was miss emma then he saw lizzie and mr morse we all went into the parlour where i said i have a request to make of the family and that is that you remain in the house for a few days since I think it would be best for you all lizzie asked why is there anybody in this house suspected and i said well perhaps mr morse can answer better as his experience of last evening might tend to convince him that somebody in the house was suspected then emma said we have tried to keep it from her the best we could and lizzie said well if i am suspected i am ready to go at any time Then Miss Lizzie, in answer to my questions, told where she was when the murders occurred. Miss Emma then said she wanted us to do everything we could for them, after I had told them to call on me for any protection needed. Miss Hannah H. Gifford said, I am a cloakmaker and did work for the Bordens. I made a sack for Lizzie in March 1892 and had a talk with her about her stepmother. I spoke and called Mrs. Borden mother. She said, don't call her mother, she is only my stepmother, and she is a mean, hateful old thing. I said, oh Lizzie, don't say that, and then she said she always kept apart from her and ate her meals alone. The evidence which Miss Anna H. Borden, not a relative, was about to give in relation to something she had heard the prisoner say about the stepmother, was excluded miss lucy Collett, who sat on the veranda of dr chanon's residence most of the forenoon testified that she saw no one pass out across the chanon yard thomas bowles was washing a carriage in mrs churchill's yard and saw no one patrick mcgowan joseph de rosier and john denny stonecutters were at work all the forenoon in john crow's stone yard adjoining the back of the borden premises and they each swore that they saw no one pass out that way. Mrs. Hannah Reagan, matron of the Central Police Station, and who had the care of Miss Borden at the time of the preliminary trial, said, On the 24th of August, Emma came in to see Lizzie in the morning. I was in the room cleaning up. She spoke with her sister, and I went into the toilet room, and hearing loud talk, looked out, and saw Lizzie lying on her side and Emma bending down over her. Lizzie said, You have given me away, Emma, but I don't care. I won't give in one inch. Measuring on her finger, Emma said, Oh, Lizzie, I didn't. At the same time, sitting down. They sat there until eleven o'clock, when Mr. Jennings came. But Lizzie made no talk at all with her sister after, never opened her mouth to her. When I first heard the noise of loud talking, I was about four feet away in a closet. When Emma left that morning, there was nothing said by either and no goodbye exchanged. This testimony created a decided sensation. Cross examined by Mr. Jennings. Emma remained there in that room until you came, and when you came you said to Emma, Have you told her all? And Emma said that she had told her all she had to tell. Emma came back again in the afternoon, but I can't tell just when. Mr. Buck was there i'm quite sure he came every day when miss emma came in the afternoon i can't tell there was no one there in the morning but her sister and you i don't remember whether mrs holmes miss annie holmes or mrs brigham were there or not i know that miss borden looked more excited when you mr jennings left the room than she did before i do remember something about an egg one afternoon it was over the fact that I said an egg could be broken one way and not another, and I made a bet with Mrs. Brigham about it. Lizzie took the egg and tried to break it, and failing, said this was the first time she ever attempted to do anything and didn't succeed. When I spoke of the affair between the sisters, I spoke of it as a quarrel. This was before the first hearing. I don't know whether the story of the quarrel was published in the morning papers, I was asked about it by reporters. It was that very afternoon, and also in the morning. I never told any reporter that it was all a lie, that there wasn't a word of truth in it. Mr. Buck spoke to me about it in my room, but I never told him it wasn't true. I never said a word to Mrs. Holmes about it. There was a paper drawn up subsequently in relation to this story. It was brought to me by Mr. Buck. Statement was here read, in which it was set forth that there had not been a quarrel between the sisters, and that she had never said so. She said she never expressed a willingness to sign the paper, and that Marshal Hilliard never said a word to her about signing the paper. He never said to her remembrance, if you sign that paper, you sign it against my express orders. Mr. Buck never asked her about signing the paper, if the Marshal was willing. The marshal told me to go to my room. There was no one in the room when I went back, for I had the door locked and the key in my pocket. I never said to the marshal that I'd rather leave my place than have such lies told about me. I never had any conversation with Mrs. Holmes about this paper. I never said to Mrs. Holmes in referring to the story, "'You know they didn't quarrel because you were here, and we were talking about the egg.' The reporter to whom I told the story in the afternoon was Mr. Porter of the Fall River Globe. I never saw the contents of any paper, but Mr. Buck came to me and said he had heard of such a report, that he had seen it in a paper, and I said, you can't always believe all you see in the papers. He wanted me to sign the paper, said that if I did, it would be all right between the sisters. I said I would go and see the marshal about it. "'We went down to the Marshal's office, and he told me to go to my room, "'told Mr. Buck to mind his own business, and he would attend to his. "'The Marshal said then what story I had to tell I would tell in court. "'I do not remember your, Mr. Jennings, being in the Marshal's room, "'and I don't remember your conversation with him. "'I never heard you say to the Marshal, "'If you refuse to let this woman sign this paper, I'll publish you to the world.' eli Benz, a drug clerk was then called he was prepared to tell the story of how the prisoner attempted to buy ten cents worth of hydrocyanic acid from him on the day before the murders but governor robinson objected the jury was sent out and counsel argued the question of the admissibility of the testimony the state claimed that it would show the state of miss borden's mind the day before the homicides the Judges decided that it was incompetent and therefore must be ruled out. This was the second prop not from under the government's case. This ended the testimony for the prosecution, and the case rested End of chapter twenty eight